preach to me. Praise God. Oh, let's love him. Amen. Amen. Let me touch you, God. Let me touch you, God. Jesus, I love you. Just let me touch you, God. Just let me touch you. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Oh, God. Jesus, we love you. I love you, God. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Let me just, amen, go all the way back, amen, to Genesis. And when we go back, amen, to the book of Genesis, amen, reveals to us how God created man in his own image. And this man's name was Adam. We're told in Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through uh, 23, where God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And God took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh instead and thereof. And, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and he brought her unto the man. Adam said, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Although we don't find out uh, the name of this woman until verse 20 of the third chapter of Genesis, we know that there was a special close personal relationship that Adam and Eve shared with God. God planted a garden, which has become known to us as the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve to dwell in. God provided for them everything that they needed, and he even would make himself known to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day or Amen. In the evening time as the voice of God would walk through the garden where he had placed them. Uh, I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about it, but it was such an awesome time of fellowship and spiritual relationship. Amen. Uh, that must have been when Almighty God was making himself known to mankind. The only thing that we can read that God commanded them was that they were not to do was eat of the fruit of the tree that was in the middle of the garden. This tree was known as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yet in spite of being the only thing that God had commanded them to do or not to do, Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they touched the tree and they ate of the fruit of the tree. Amen. Well, you can read in Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, where after Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. They had heard the voice of God walking in the garden many times before. 
And always they had waited in anticipation for this time of communion and fellowship because any time they spent with God was cherished. But this time, instead of waiting with anticipated joy, instead of waiting with delight, this time they hear the sound of God walking towards them in the cool of the day. They are filled with fear and dread because of their disobedience. So they go and they hide themselves. What was once a wonderful relationship was now damaged by disobedience. What was once a beautiful time of love and fellowship was now torn apart due to transgression. And what was once a great friendship that was being nurtured and developed had now been disregarded and broken all because of sin. From that point on, the relationship with God seemed to be cold and impersonal. There were so many laws that were set in place that mankind had to follow. And if my study is right, there are 613 laws that God instituted under the Mosaic law. There were so many rules to obey. Amen. There were so many regulations to comply with. There were so many things that they could not touch. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, God seemed to be somewhat aloof and distant deity. He is a God that cannot be seen with our eyes. He is a God that is in the heavens while humanity exists down here on earth. It seems no one can touch him for themselves. There were a very few times that were recorded in the Old Testament where an individual had a special encounter with God. But for the most people, he was a long way off and seemingly untouchable. The people could come once a year and offer their sins to someone else. And then that high priest would take their sins to the Holy of Holies so that they could be pushed back for another year. Amen. Just so they could have mercy. They were never totally wiped away, but just pushed ahead for one more year. It was so impersonal and so distant that it seemed like the blood of bulls and goats got closer to God than the people did. The only ones that ever came in contact with the presence of God was the high priest when the glory of God amen, settled on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. The only real hope that things would ever change, amen, was the prophecy that there was going to one day be a Messiah. One day there was coming to the world a Savior that would take away the sins of the world. I'm thankful today that I know that he did come to this world. The angels one day declared his arrival. Amen. We can read in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 of the birth of the promised and the prophesied Savior. And verses 8 through 14 tell us, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. 
you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And that prophecy was finally fulfilled. Amen. was from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where he prophesied, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then a couple of chapters later in Isaiah 9 and verse 6, he prophesied again and said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name. I want you to notice that singular. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Somebody praise him right now. Whoo, my, my. The writer of Hebrews had this to say about this Savior called Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we're told, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. I want you to understand, no longer was he a God that was way up in the heavens somewhere. No longer was he a God that was cold and impersonal. No longer was he a God that was distant and aloof. But no longer was he a God that could not be touched. But that day in Bethlehem he burst on the scene longing for and crying out for somebody to touch him. And I've got some good news for somebody in this place today. And it is that God is still walking this earth today. As a matter of fact, God is right here right now in this place. And he's waiting for you to reach out and touch him. Oh, somebody Go ahead and praise God. Oh, I said he's waiting for you to touch him. The devil thought he had killed him one day. But the fact is he's still very much alive. He lives in the souls of all of us who have repented of our sins, been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. He lives, and like the song says, I feel him in my hands, I feel him in my feet, I feel him in my heart, I feel him all over me. I said he lives, and I feel him in my hands when I clap them in praise to him. He lives. I feel him in my feet when I run the aisles to worship him. He lives and I feel him in my heart with every heartbeat. He lives and I feel him all over me. God's not dead. He's still very much alive. He's right here. He's right now. He wants somebody to reach out in faith and touch him. He is as close as the mention of his name. Somebody go ahead and praise him right now. He lives. I said he lives. He's still able to heal your body. He's still able to mend your broken heart. He's still able to fix your messed up life. He's still able to put your marriage back together. He's still able to save your children. He's still able to work on your behalf and make those seemingly impossible situations of your life possible. He can do it if you'll reach out and touch him today. But I want you to notice there's a big difference between thronging Jesus and touching Jesus. Thronging means to crowd into or to crowd upon. 
to press or pack into, to crowd together in great numbers. So there's a tremendous difference between just thronging and touching. You can be among the throng of the crowd and be in the middle of a crowd that's thronging someone, you can, yet you can never get close enough to touch that individual. But when you touch that person, uh, you make contact, uh, amen, with that person at some point. You literally feel that person. The Bible tells us a story of a man we refer to as the rich young ruler. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, we're told, And when he was gone forth into the way, uh, amen, there came one running to kneel to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Uh, and Jesus saith unto him, uh, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, uh, that is God. Uh, thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up thy cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grief, for he had great possessions. There's three things that become apparent as I read through this account. The first thing I noticed about this man was from reading the verses that he was dissatisfied because Scripture said he came running. So there was a sense of urgency in what he was doing. He kept the law, but he was not happy. And he knew that he was, there, were, there was something that, that was missing in his life because he asked Jesus, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And the second thing that I noticed about this man is that he is disappointed. Amen. For when Jesus tells this young man, one thing thou lackest, go thy way and sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up thy cross and follow me. Verse 22 says that he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. He was sad and disappointed. Amen. Because the terms that Jesus laid out were go and sell your possessions and come, take up your cross and follow me. He was sad and disappointed uh, because what Jesus required of him uh, was not, amen, he was not able to sell all those great possessions uh, that he had and give that money to the poor. But Jesus was also requiring that this young man trade his riches uh, and his treasured possessions for a cross and could be committed to following him. Uh, and then the third thing that I notice about the man in this story is that he was denied. Due to his unwillingness to do what Jesus required of him, this man was denied not only a life of joy and peace in the present, but even more tragically than that, he was also denied eternal life in the future. He was denied of life eternal in heaven. Uh, what a tragedy. Uh, I said, what a tragedy to be so close to Jesus, uh, to be in his presence, uh, to see him, to hear him, uh, to listen to him speak, uh, to be able to speak one-on-one -on -one with him, uh, to have an opportunity to question him uh, concerning eternal life, uh, and to get to spend such valuable time with him, yet to only leave him 
his presence without ever touching him. Oh, God, but that's exactly what this young man did. He went away sorrowful without ever touching Jesus. You see, he never took the time or put forth the effort, amen, to have a relationship with Jesus and really touch him because his preconceived ideology and his own perception of self-righteousness didn't fit with what Jesus told him. This rich young ruler represents so many people today who call themselves Christians. They erroneously think just because they're a good person that they're automatically a candidate for heaven or just because they believe in God that they obey the Ten Commandments and that they are confessed, amen, they've confessed Jesus with their mouth, that they're okay just the way they are. But Jesus told this young man there was more that he needed to do. Let me stop here just long enough to say it was not the riches. It was not the great possessions that this man had that Jesus was concerned about. He didn't care that this man had tremendous wealth. But rather, it was this man's love of these things and his love of traditions and his self-righteousness along with his unwillingness uh, to give them up for the kingdom of God. Uh, and Jesus knew this. Uh, however, this man also represents so many who attend uh, an apostolic church today. Can I hear an amen? Oh, they know how to play the part in church, uh, but yet they never touch Jesus. Uh, they come to service after service after service, uh, but they never make any attempt to reach out and touch him. Uh, they come to church uh, and they sit among the crowd that is thronging Jesus but in their own irresponsible and foolish sense of self-righteousness they fail to put forth any effort to really listen to what the spirit of God is telling them through the preaching of the word or they get mad and upset when the preacher tells them something they don't want to hear and so they walk away from the truth because it doesn't fit in their own preconceived ideology and theology In our text verses we read today, it tells us the familiar story of the woman with the issue of blood. Here we read of a woman who was greatly oppressed and distressed. All she had known for the past 12 long years had been suffering, sickness, pain, extreme discomfort. What was even worse than the debilitating issue of blood was that according to the laws of her day, a woman with a sickness in matters concerning her marriage could not touch her husband, and her husband could not touch her. Paternally, she could no longer bear children. Domestically, anything she touched, she was, was considered unclean. She couldn't even take care of her family. Socially, she was considered unclean. Spiritually, she was not allowed in the temple to worship. Here was a woman that was physically exhausted and socially ostracized. She had tried many different doctors, and no doubt every home remedy that anyone might have suggested yet nothing had worked. She was financially broke, for we are told that she spent all she had, and yet she grew worse. Amen. Yet with everything she had been through, in spite of all her pain, her weakness, and her suffering, this woman was determined. She'd heard about Jesus, and no doubt within herself, she said, if he could do it for them, he could do it for me. With faith in her heart, she went to where Jesus was. In essence, this woman was saying, 
I'm not going to wait for Jesus to come to me, but I'm going to where he is. And if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to touch him. Oh, and touch him, she did. She was delivered from this tormenting, amen, issue of blood that had plagued her for 12 long years. And instantly she was made whole because God recognized a touch of faith. Oh, come somebody praise him right now. Oh, my God. No doubt there were many other people in the crowd that day that probably needed, amen, needed something from God just like this lady. But she was delivered because she had touched Jesus. Remember, there is a difference between thronging Jesus and touching him. Desperate faith always touches Jesus. He knows the difference between the jostle of a curious crowd and the touch of faith from a soul in need. But you are going to have to reach out and touch him. Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house. He was moving in a different direction. And he wasn't planning on anyone touching else. Amen. But she reached out and touched him. He is here today. But someone in this place needs to reach out and touch him. Jesus is here right now. No matter what your condition is. No matter what your problem is. No matter what your circumstances are. You can touch him. Oh, Why don't you reach out in faith? right now. Stand to your feet with me. Hey, why don't you reach out and touch him? Why don't you come to this altar and let him touch you? Oh, let him fill you with the Holy Ghost. My God. Oh, yes, God. Yes, God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, come on to this altar. Let God touch you and you touch him and let him fill you with the Holy Ghost. I
My world is so 
Hallelujah. I've got to touch Jesus. No matter what, I've got to touch Jesus. I need him every day. He's a good God, and he's been faithful to me. And if you've not given him a chance yet, he can be faithful to you. Because that's the God that he, he is. I can promise you this. Every time I hear that story preached about, read about the story, read through the Bible, and I read it again and again, I, I can't help but think. The man, Jesus Christ, had no idea what was going on. But that almighty spirit said, hey, that touch was different. And without the man, Jesus Christ, knowing what was going on, the next thing he, he, he realized, hey, the spirit just reacted to something that I have no idea what just happened. Now who touched my clothes? She was ashamed for a minute. But I don't know what it was in her, but something finally rose up in her, and, and she said, it was I. It was me, Lord. I did it. I don't know if it was the moment she realized, hey, I don't have a problem anymore. I don't know. But I do know this much. She finally said, Lord, <laughs> I touched you, and I touched you with a purpose. Amen. Amen. I needed you. I needed you. Amen. All these old songs flooded in my mind while he was preaching this morning. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. And there's another old song we used to sing all the time. In fact, when I was transcribing, some of my, not transcribing, but I was trans, not posing. I was moving from a cassette to an MP3. There we go. I was moving the audio from a cassette to an MP3. <laughs> Funny thing is, one day I had it plugged into the same computer I was doing my phone calls on. And I accidentally got on the phone with that streaming through my, as my microphone. And my grandpa is, if, you, if you've ever heard my grandpa preach, he, he didn't stay not excited for very long. And he would get wound up and kind of like Brother Mays was a while ago, just, we get excited when we talk, start talking about Jesus. And what he's, let me tell you, you can't tell it like I can what Jesus has done for me. And so when I got the mic in my mouth, in my mouth, in my hand, <laughs> I get to express it, and I get excited. And I had somebody say, Preacher, how come all of you Pentecostal preachers sound like you're mad? I can tell you what, it's quite the opposite. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm just excited, and I'm passionate about what God's done in my life. And when it's all said and done, I want everybody to know how passionate I am. Amen. I think that principle of... Uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Amen. And when you dwell on the goodness of God, you can't help but get excited about it. Amen. Praise God. He is faithful. He is faithful. He's been good to me. He's been very good to me. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Anyway, Grandpa used to sing it all the time. Just reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. Used to sing it almost every service. At least all the ones that I had recorded. 
at the end of the service, he would be pre- he would finish preaching and he would just start singing without the music. <laughs> you hear the musicians walk up there trying to find what key you in. Amen. There's something about touching Jesus. Something about touching him. Amen. Praise God. Well, thank you, Brother Mays, for preaching to us today. And uh, Amen. Have you enjoyed having the Mazes with us this, these past few weeks? <clears throat> amen. If, you, if they've ministered to you, I, it, it doesn't ever hurt for you to go let them know. I, I appreciate you preaching to me. Amen. It never hurts. Never, ever hurts. And as he said a few minutes ago, I didn't, I didn't take the time to say it, but I want to say thank you for taking the time to honor my wife. Amen. I promise you, I couldn't do any of the things that I do if it wasn't for her. I'd be a mess. And uh, I was thinking about it the other night, and so I sent her a long, long text while she was at work. Like, hey, just so you know, you're stuck with me forever. <clears throat> and you're not allowed to die first. Amen. We don't even want to talk about that right now. But I know she could get along without me, but I, I know for sure that I can't get along without her. Anyway, thank you for giving honor to her as well. Amen. All right, so this, I, I want.